Hello, and welcome to the Spin Up Science podcast, where we explore the interface of science and startups and share the journeys of scientists turning their discoveries into companies. I'm Ben, a scientist turned CEO, and welcome to our first episode. Have you ever wondered if quantum is living up to the hype? Today, I'm going to share the story of a good friend of mine, Zhao, CTO of QLM. I haven't seen him for a while, mostly because of COVID. Hey, Ben. Long time no see. Long time no see. Exactly. How are you doing? Good. Good. Like you lost a unicorn. Today's a really big day for QLM. They've just raised £3.1 million to take their technology one step closer to market. We're closing the round today, so the money is coming in. Oh, there might be like five thousand pounds notes that are requiring notice of like we received your five thousand pound. Thank you very much. <laughs> the QLM team are working on some amazing technology, technology to see gas that usually is invisible to the human eye. The target that they are looking for is methane or natural gas. If the natural gas leaks, it's uh, eighty times more potent in a twenty years frame uh, as a greenhouse gas compared to carbon dioxide. Xiao's goal is to help oil and gas companies to spot these leaks, which usually go unnoticed, so that they can take some action. The problem is, quantifying how much gas is being released is really difficult. The majority of the leaks are caused by a smaller portion of really large leaks, but there's currently no way to tell with existing technology and infrequent uh, non-continuously monitoring systems is that you can't tell which one is the bigger one, which one is the smaller one. There is existing solutions to be able to quantify the leaks, but it requires a lot of uh, manual work and equipment is quite bulky. uh, So it's not quite feasible to deploy. Why are they so hard to quantify? If something is in a well-constrained environment, such as within the pipeline, you could be looking at the pressure and you could be looking at all the other physical parameters you have a well constraint. Once the gas leak out, it will be related to the wind. So let's say you have a traditional sniffer sensor and then the sniffer only are measuring local concentrations that could be really different when the wind blows to the wrong direction. But without quantification, it's really hard to decide which one to fix because you know it's a small one or bigger one. It's quite hard to act on the knowledge. Okay, let's get more into what the solution is then. Yeah, it's very easy to understand our product. We, we Effectively, what we're bringing is the technology of LIDAR. We combine LIDAR technologies with spectroscopy. When you send a laser light, like a normal LIDAR does, we measure the distance, but we also measure the spectrum. And we also use a spectrum that targets for gas absorption. So you're uniquely targeting for that gas per camera. So we have a CO2 camera, we have a methane camera, we have other gas cameras. So then the spectroscopy give us scientifically validated and quantified the concentration measurement. And then you build a picture by scanning the beam around. Now then you use this picture, which tells you the total concentration of gas within you and to the target. Then you apply some meteorology data, like the wind direction and speed. Then the model we have will tell you, will be able to tell you the leak rate. Can I summarize? You can tell me if I said anything wrong. Uh, You have a laser source. You fire that laser out at the object you're interested in detecting whether it's got a leak or not. It reflects off the object. If it passes through some gas, some amount of that laser light is absorbed by that gas, and then it reaches your detector, and then you can detect whether some light has been 
absorbed or not. And then you move that laser line around and then build up slowly a whole picture of your environment. Is that right? Yeah, that's is, better than what I said, yes. You, you can pay me later. Where is the quantum bit of that? A single photon detector detects a single particle of light. It's a bit like Geiger counter, which everyone familiar with, but for photons. And the, the difficult thing is this is uh, obviously a sort of click. Boom, boom, boom. You got photon, you don't have photons. How do you build an actual spectral measurement with this uh, non-classic type of detectors? Is the key know-how that we accumulated after my PhD when very few people and was using this solution for sensing. See, this type of detector has intrinsically its problems to be deployed for sensing. And our algorithms solved these issues to be able to allow us to measure signals in relative terms, one percent, less than one percent changes in intensity in the spectral changes. That that's enable us to build this for gas sensing. Cool. So the quantum bit is kind of twofold. One that you've got like a single photon detector, and two maybe like the algorithm you place over the top to understand and extract some signal from the noise exactly. coming back. So you're just exactly. sliding, calling yourselves QLM. That bit's allowed. There's definitely some quantum quantum magic. <laughs> obviously, you've built like um, you've built like quantum into obviously the core of the product, but also like the core of the company. Is like industry actually excited by that? We don't really sell our quantum background so well anyway. Um, apart from in our name, but we just call it QLM. The reason is we just want to be the best uh, gas sensor full stop period. Well, we don't want to be the best quantum sensor. Quantum is just a way uh, for us to get more sensitivity and reduce the size and weight power of the laser. So um, obviously you want to recognize that you're coming from this background where the government has put a lot of prior funding to build the foundation for you. So, so it, as a gesture of thank, we should use quantum. Uh, but you know, we're not selling this, we just say we're better. Um, we we solve your problem better. You mentioned like uh, you mentioned a couple of things, but one of them was like the reduction in weight and package size and like power of laser used. Because originally you were thinking like apply this thing on a drone and get yeah. really nice cinematic imagery of it flying up and down oil and gas pipelines. But obviously since you yeah. like diverged a little bit away, can you just talk to me around where you started out and like why yeah. you were looking there first with that a particular like productization approach? and why you now are looking more yeah. like CCTV cameras. So ultimately, CCTV cameras ultimate uh, sort of vision of the company, and then which is suggested, uh, I think more pushed by our CEO, Murray Ree, when he's come on board. Uh, we did put our initial prototype on the drone uh, flying in across the landfill as a proof of concept. You know, drone and all sorts of deployment, the way of deployment is great, but there's nothing comparable to a continuous monitoring network, which now people start to, to say this is what the industry wanted. Primarily also it's a technical driven sort of, uh, sort of decision. Uh, to put it on a drone, it had to be really lightweight. So, uh, and it, because it's an industrial product, it had to be really robust. So it's kind of, you it feel it's easier to get a pole mount version to start to you know, go to, into the market. And it's just easier for our customers to understand. It's a camera, you could sync it up with a CCTV camera, how you would use it, network it, control it, could be very adaptable to the existing deployment format. So you still think that potentially the drone is like a future vision? 
Yeah, we, we, we have projects uh, coming up uh, with that direction with very strong partners. So um, I, I think we'll have some good progress. Cool. Interesting. Um, I want to talk a little bit about how you decided that this idea was worth betting the, the family farm on. You said that you came across it kind of during PhD as well as during postdoc and some project you worked on and you're applying it into space. What was the point when you said, you know, I've like got this body of knowledge. I shouldn't just treat it as like academic research. I should actually start a company out of it when we ended the, the first European project and they sold their early generation for the satellite prototype uh, to a company uh, to be doing pipeline surveyings. So uh, one of the directors that worked with us in the project uh, suggested that, uh, okay, Xiao, your technology, because the sensitivity of the detector reduced size and weight, it might be feasible to put this on drones rather than this company acquiring our setup, which is table sized and weights hundreds of kilograms uh, on a helicopter. So I followed that idea initially, but I wasn't able to get uh, much backings uh, in academic world. So I have to went, go to the industry. Uh, once I was in the industry, it happened to be oil and gas industry, I realized that this is actually a good idea was there as a need and technology needed to solve monitoring and sort of surveying problems, uh, then I thought it would be a good idea. Cool. Okay. So spending a little bit of time in industry was basically the thing that's allowed you to get close enough to people that were out there experiencing the problem potentially for you to say, great, I think this is something interesting. I should start a company. Like what happened beyond, like, how did you actually set it up? Like, how did you find the money? Obviously, uh, it's a it's a big big decision to say that you know um, I'm gonna take a year out of my life, getting no pay, and I'm gonna quit this really nice job. QTech allow an entrepreneur to have this initial seed idea and to be able to develop that idea into a fundraisable stage. This is a rare opportunity where you get paid and uh, where you you then can take a year out of your life to fully focus on just this one thing which is how do you transfer your technology or commercialize your technology? So this is immensely helpful and it kickstarting the, the company and doing a year of mini MBA trainings. Uh, I managed to meet these people and put a whole full idea together and managed to get some uh, initial seed fundings and government grants to kickstart the whole thing. How did you find like getting, convincing people to give you some money? Was that something that, that was easy, that came naturally? No, no, I'm glad I'm not doing this side of the work uh, anymore because uh, it's uh, it's a very awkward and a very hard environment for me. Initially, what I did is actually we went to pitch, pitch events, uh, but I wasn't really getting a message through quite well. Uh, so we were not getting much traction. And the point is that it become a success is actually we uh, uh, just co-calling people and get a... <laughs> somehow a better result. If you get an opportunity to get investors to, to pay attention on what you're saying one-to-one in a setting where you're comfortable with, it's much more effective. You get the hook in them and then and you just reel them <laughs> in slowly. <laughs> yeah, so obviously investors are very busy. They don't necessarily have the time. And that time is a huge amount of risk. This is an industrial product. It's very hard to tackle market and oil and gas require absolute extreme on everything in engineering terms. So um, to be able to make a product successful, any postdoc, um, fresh graduate won't have the know-how. And it's about how do you bring that expertise in-house to be able to get you there. And first investor decided to invest. I think uh, he said he sees that uh, I am that 
type of person that will get help. And he seems to be thinking that I will listen to people rather than thinking of what I know everything. You know, you you obviously sat and, and still sit like heavily on the technical side. Like that's the bit you say you enjoy and like are eager to bring on Murray or someone along those lines to like help bolster the commercial side of things. What made you settle on that as a strategy? Uh, to me, uh, taking responsibility of bringing new ideas to life is just a passion that I cannot do without taking it to the real application that works. It's already a very stressful thing. If what we come up with initially is valuable, then improving it and making it better is the core business. I, I'm, if I'm the best position to do this, I wouldn't want to change that. If you really uh, you know, want to control every single detail, you better want to be the CEO and be the spiritual leader and you know, take responsibility to, for everything. Uh, I'm not a spiritual leader. I'm more of a, your helper. So, so if we've got a bunch of engineers, my role is to help them uh, to sort of tidy up the lab at times, uh, do some solderings, give them the supportive environment that's needed to make something new together. That is just a different like leadership style going back to that point, you know, like rather than the the person kind of like forging the pathway ahead, you're like the, the supportive person pushing the team from from behind. I think I don't know what other analogies there are, like the mother hen, mother Zhao, uh, <laughs> potentially it is. How did you know that you found you'd found the right person to handle the commercial side? But obviously, I, you know, any organization need to, to have a spiritual leader and have a good experience to the personnel. And Murray is there, no, no doubt, has such a role. And we also have other character in the company that would like to do more management. I'm happy to be managed uh, for the day-to-day work, as long as my view in the strategy is reflected. Uh, okay, tell me about, like, the, the, the peak, the pinnacle. Like, what was the best yeah. moment in the, in the history of the company to, to date? Yeah, so the, the first time we see the, uh, uh, so no, normally when we do experiment, initially when we develop the field prototype, we trap gas inside a balloon. So we, we, we just take uh, images of the balloon. The first time we see a balloon, we're very ha- happy already. Now, the first time when we see a, a, a gas leak, real gas leak, uh, simulated gas leak uh, from pipes that uh, in National Physics Laboratories uh, sort of um, backyard when we're doing this quantitative test uh, for the first time and that's really satisfying because this is something that the 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 world has never seen and this is the first time we've seen it it's been a long road to get to this point but qlm looks set to make major impact over the next 12 months thank you for listening to this conversation with zhao ai cto of qlm i'm ben miles and you've been listening to the spin up podcast see you next time